0: Hello. What have we here?
1: Hello there. Morning, Senator. Greetings, my son. Primary Yippee! This is so We are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle, the beginning. I've
2: got a bad feeling about this.
0: So talks first. He talks first. I talk first. You're a feisty little one, but you'll soon learn some respect. So,
3: this is where the fun begins. <laughs>
2: What's happening, boys and girls of the internet world? My name is Christopher Maronin, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. And joining me today are my friends.
0: I'm Josh, and I have spoken. Beautiful! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Justin,
1: the Knight of the Old Republic. Yes. This is Kyle. And this is Vic.
2: What's up, guys? How you feeling? Good, man. Good, great. Awesome, awesome. Well, so... Wow! Who got the suka? Anyone eat the suka? Suka! You got the suka. You guys all hopped up on some suka for this episode, or what, man?
1: I don't know, but they prized that thing like it was nothing, man.
2: Oh, that was so oh. good.
3: That must be the tastiest <laughs> some, treat they ever some had, good man. Suka.
2: I want some Is that suka. That's a hairy egg. It's Is that what we're talking about? Cadbury a, egg, man. That's a hairy Cadbury for the sure. Only hairy egg
3: I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> oh, it looked so... like it rolled under the couch last Easter, and we didn't find it until
2: <laughs> <laughs> next it Easter. Like, it was like in my room. It was grandma's was like, okay, Easter. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean if you can't tell by now we're talking mandalorian today this is going to be a beautiful episode we oh, yes. as a as of the recording of this podcast I mean, we've had two episodes to feast upon the uh the suka. and this is uh i'm a, i'm very excited to talk with you guys about this i know that we've we've all kicked around a, a hundred different ideas in our thread this week and I saw a lot of good notes already in our Google Doc, our show notes. This is going to be cool, man. This is going to be a fun conversation. Um, but before we dive into the show and break it down, I, all of us are merch, like merch heads. You know? I know I got my yeah. Mandalorian merch. I'm excited to hear uh, what you guys got. But I will say I'm pleasantly surprised with the amount of Mandalorian merch available today. And even before the show was even launched. Um, so it's, it's definitely a well-marketed show. It's definitely well-marketed as far as TV spots, internet ads, but definitely it's all about the merch. And there is so much good merch. The first thing I got was that beautiful Mandalorian poster at Celebration last year. Um, and then for Triple Force Friday, I got my Mandalorian Black series. I did not go carbonized. Don't kill me. Sorry, uh, <laughs> but I went regular. I had the chance to get the carbonized. Just picked up a Cara Dune. My IG-11 is on route from Best Buy, uh, but I only got one pop. Sorry, Vic. I only got the Mandalorian basic pop. I had mm-hmm. the IG-11 in my hand. Um, I was at GameStop where I feel that their mm-hmm. pops are overpriced, so I just gently put it back on the shelf and walked out. Um, <laughs> but down the road, I'll pick up an IG-11 for sure. Um, The Hmm. only thing I'm missing is a beautiful Mandalorian shirt um, because I bought a beautiful uh, fan-made pin, a Mandalorian fan pin, uh, and I don't remember the name of the the seller right now, but if I can remember it by the time you guys uh, talk about what you grabbed merch-wise, I'd be more than happy to promote it because it's a gorgeous pin. But what do you guys have?
4: well, I started off a celebration with uh, the shirt that Josh has on, the Mandalorian, you know, shirt there from yeah, baby. Uh, exclusive celebration. It was an awesome shirt. And then of course mm-hmm. we all were in the panel of some kind, where it was in live or in the live feed, and the beautiful poster they gave us after the panel was over oh, yeah. it was awesome. Um, And it just had me so hyped for the show. And then, you know, when Force Friday came out, I got the Carbonized Mandalorian Black Series. And I also got the exclusive Funko Shop uh, Mandalorian Funko from their online shop. So that's what I got so far all right. Kyle what'd you get I've
3: got that Mandalorian print too I've actually got it framed on my wall and I know we all have it but I'm looking at it right now and it really is beautiful especially for a free giveaway just for ro- watching the panel um, which was we got to see that preview too which was great um, but it's actually you can see it is from the opening scene of the show where he's walking through that blast door into the little cantina bar to pick up his first bounty in the cold open um, and you can see that snowy background, and that's exactly what it is. Um, and, and it's it really does look nice. I, th- I think I might take mine back to the next Celebration and uh, see if I can't get an autograph on it, actually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I, I did also get the Mandalorian uh, Black Series figure. Um, I did get the carbonized one from Target. I was there at Open on Triple Force Friday. That was probably one of my Woo! best fights. Nice. Oh,
2: yeah, nice. What do you got, yeah, Justin?
1: I picked up the uh, the regular Black Series and the Carbonized Mando. I got both of those. I don't have any others yet. Uh, the IG-11, I've checked a couple Best Buys, haven't been able to score it yet. But I figure if it's not there, then I can order it online. I'm that's pretty so sure I you can find yeah, it. Yeah, you, can definitely,
2: you can definitely get it online. I just yeah. ordered mine from BestBuy.com. It was nineteen ninety nine with free shipping. And Dude, literally, I ordered it on Thursday night. It's going to be here on Monday. Beautiful. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, and then I think I what I did was I I pre-ordered the Mandalorian Sideshow 12-inch uh, or 1-6 oh, scale yes. figure. So I won't have that for another year, but the figure <laughs> looked amazing. Yeah, uh, I really it's expensive, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Once their runs are done, they're gone, and you can only get them on the second-hand market, and that price is going to go up, so I had to jump on that. It looks awesome, so I can't wait.
0: Um, yeah, so I got all the same stuff you guys did, mostly the carbonized figure, um, but I got, uh, uh, uh the IG-88, or, IG, ooh, excuse me, IG-11 Black Series from Best Heart Buy. <laughs> 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 uh, I got, I got his pop, I got the other pop from GameStop with the, the Mandalorian pop, and then I got, like, three t-shirts, I got, like, a Razor Crest t-shirt, um, and I got a t-shirt with, like, an old print on, like, old-timey print on it from Disney Shop. Um, but I actually just ordered, um, a black Mandalorian snapback from superhero stuff. I'm oh, waiting for cool. that to come. Ooh, so I'd like to see that. I'd like to see what that yeah. looks like. I'll is send that you a razor,
2: Is that yeah.
1: Razor Crest shirt? Like the sket like the 3d design, like the Falcon shirt that was yeah, it's out. It's like, like, like the shirt? shirt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I saw yeah. that That's shirt. True. I thought about it.
0: Yeah. They have, you know- they, and they have them, they have them at hot topic now too. Like they, I think I got it. I got it off her universe, but they have it at hot topic now too. Okay. So, you know, I'm so crazy. I'm so
2: merch crazy. I said that I don't have a t-shirt. I'm literally wearing a Mandalorian t-shirt right now under my hoodie. <laughs> I'm so crazy right now. Um, I, and I just forgot, I bought a second Mandalorian figure because I needed one at my desk at work. I absolutely needed one. Oh, yeah, so on I bought a second figure. Yeah. I like I have them right next to my 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 tape dispenser and my red stapler. And if you l- ever watch Office Space, you know why I got a red stapler on my yep. desk. So yep.
4: nice. Is it a swing line? Just
3: an IG eleven. It's a swing line Night
2: right now. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's available <laughs> okay. in my store too. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, there with all the merch, I, uh, I'm also a vehicle collector. I hope that the razor crest comes out in vehicle form, maybe three and three quarter. Uh, I will probably
3: get into this a little bit more, but, um, does anybody ever watch Firefly Fox back in the day? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, The razor crest reminds me of serenity a lot. It's a Mm. similar looking kind of ship to me. I, I, you know, when it takes, especially from behind, I, it, I don't know. It just gives me you the like same kind of accent, feel.
2: Huh? <laughs> oh, jeez. But like, Wasn't Serenity uh, a larger, like, I've only seen a few episodes. I was never a huge fan of Firefly, but wasn't that, like, a giant Like, It was a freighter,
3: so okay. it, was probably, it was probably bigger in scale, but uh, they had a similar shape to it. And uh, it also, the show kind of had, like, a similar Western kind of feel to it to me, and, too.
2: And mm. the one thing that turned me off about Firefly was the music. I thought the music was so offensive uh, for science fiction. It just it that it to me it didn't work like it does in the Mandalorian. Uh, but I don't think the Mandalorian has gone as hardcore as like slide guitar right. and like you know I just imagine like spurs like ching 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 when I watch Firefly. <laughs> it's just the most bizarre science fiction show ever. But I understand well, you're why people my heart, love
0: but. it. <laughs> <laughs> well. I think the big difference there is that the Mandalorian is, like, uh, inspired Western kind of thing, whereas, like, Firefly was taking that literal. Like, they went to – one episode I, r- I remember, and I was just like, this is crazy. They went down to a planet, and they were literally, like, burning witches on the planet. So, like, <laughs> they, they – <were>. well, <laughs> They also they did a, a cattle series. drive in space. Yeah, a cattle took, drive, yeah. like cows like, on a yeah. spaceship. Yeah, it was it a was, literal was sort of Western. Western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. is there –
2: Besides like a three and three quarter Razor Crest, that's what I want to see merch wise. Is there anything you guys want to see come out now?
3: This is crazy of me to say, but because we haven't even seen it in the show yet. But at Celebration, they had a speeder bike that was from oh, the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, well, yeah uh, it was displayed. I need one of those,
2: actually. Yeah, that's... Sick.
1: Can I get can I get some calamari flan gummies? Is that like a thing? <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> yes! I would love that. Like, oh, I'm just eating currency here. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm eating it. <laughs> Josh. Yeah. Oh, I
0: love
4: it. Um, after episode one, you know I'm sorry, go ahead, Josh. Oh uh, uh, uh shoot.
0: Uh, so tie in like novels and comics. That's what I want. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that lunch box from Zazzle.
2: Oh, the <laughs> lunchbox. Well, before we get into lunchbox, I think I'm a huge art of collector. I have all the art of books going back to, yeah. you know, goodness knows when. But I think they're they're holding off on the art of books until the end of the season. So I think, Josh, we're going to see a lot of those tie-ins at once season one's over to hold us over to season two. But that damn Zazzle lunchbox. If you don't know what we're talking about uh, for triple force, Friday StarWars.com did a beautiful featurette on all the amazing products you can get on triple force Friday. And one of them was this gorgeous, um, all, you know, I don't even know who the artist was or whatever, but it was a Zazzle exclusive lunchbox. No one could find it. A lot of my friends online, we tried to trace it down. It, it would just doesn't exist. And to this day, You know, we're about what, a month past Triple Force Friday? Still doesn't exist.
0: Well, and Zazzle's like one of those websites where it's like, here's the art designs, and then you can get it put on like any piece of merch that we make. And they literally have that art design that we saw in that lunchbox available to get on anything else you can think of, like mugs, shirts, mouse pads, no lunchbox.
2: Right. It's wild. And I know, I mean, I see you are a lunch go- a lunchbox guy. I have several lunchboxes as well. I was really looking forward to having that. I actually use a lunchbox in my day-to-day life. It does go in a Star Wars tote bag that I got from Loungefly. But uh, when I crack it open, it's usually some type of Star Wars lunchbox. Uh, I was really hoping for that. Any Vic, are you looking for anything Mandalorian? Fun- you know, for the yeah, Funko- well, after... Well, oh, after
4: seeing episode one, he goes down to that refugee and he, with the armory, and she's making that new oh. piece of armor for him. I think a Funko Pop of her or a, uh, a playset of that you know that area, you know, three point seven five scale will be awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. that'd be crazy because her armor was awesome. Oh, the armor mask is uh, is a very old school Mandalorian. I mean, you're talking like generations old you would see Mm -hmm. designs like that in some of the comics um when they would do flashbacks and things that is like an ancient mandalorian Mm -hmm. helmet sculpt and the armor is just such a fascinating character
1: it's very similar to to bo katans with the owl eyes that are right are angled a little bit more than what uh the armorers was where they're more uh just even across but it's very similar in that style
3: Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. And uh, you guys might be more well-read than me on some of this stuff, but I think some of the Mandalorians put uh, ornamentation like that on their helmets for Darth Maul when he was temporarily, uh, you know, taken over there, the ones that were following him. I think they uh, had those kind of horns on their helmets too. Mm. And that's what, that's what that reminded me of as well.
2: Okay, yeah. good. Well, so with that, uh, there's a lot of merch that's I'm sure going to come down the pipeline. Disney did the best thing they could have done and released these episodes, um, you know, weekly. And we're only on two. This is like, this is such a gift to have weekly Star Wars to talk about versus the Netflix model of just binge it all, right? right. I think I would have been terribly disappointed if they would have thrown it out there all in one loop, however many hours that it ends up being this is the best way to do it because now i can say every episode oh i want that i want that piece of merch i want that piece of, like what if they build this well what, what like that i want that on a t-shirt it and not only that it's going to allow us to talk about the story which we're about to do here in a little bit right so that's a lot of fun but i want to take it back i want to take it kind of back to where we first learned about the mandalorian all of us were in the same you know one square mile block or whatever it was in chicago at celebration when they when they did the panel now i've made some people mad by saying this i've won i won the lottery to get in the arena and i was sitting there in the arena for the mandalorian panel what about you guys where were you during the mandalorian panel
4: uh we were in the live feed room me justin and kyle and you know we obviously saw the same thing you guys saw But I think it would have been great to see, you know, Carl Weathers, who I've known as a kid, being Apollo, you know, Apollo Creed and then Predator, you know, and, you know, uh, what's the guy from Happy Gilmore, Chubb? You (laughs) know, Chubb's on the hip, (laughs) you know. You know, he's been also a football player, too. You know, it'd be cool to see him in person. And Pedro Pascal, especially from Game of Thrones, I was a huge fan of him in that show. You know, I think that would have been really cool to see them in person. Um, So I'm jealous of your experience you had there. Yeah. It was fun. Mm-hmm.
3: We, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, Josh, you said it, but uh, Carl Weathers got a great intro from John Favreau, and uh, oh, yeah. he gave you a little That's Apollo true. Creed coming out onto the stage. It was really cool. <laughs> oh, gee.
2: Oh, gee. Oh. I, I'll tell you what. I was so hyped in the arena. You just had that energy. It was such a – did you guys see any panels in the arena, by the way? Did you get to go to any of them in the arena? No, not I'm this, not, not not this no. time. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. You got to see one, yeah. It was uh, it was way different than in, in the overflow rooms because I For watched sure. the the episode nine teaser trailer in an overflow room, and I did cry. I mean, regardless, I still had an emotional sure. reaction. But being in the arena to watch the Mandalorian and then the final, um, the closing ceremonies, the arena is just a totally different experience. And the Mandalorian mm. was incredible to see them in person.
3: Yeah, I will say when when Justin and I went to our first celebration in Anaheim, we um we were in the main stage for the main rebels panel and, and maybe one other one too. And yep. they're definitely there. It's obviously bigger. So there's more people, but it is a, a little bit different feel to see. You know, I, I mean, I remember the the voice actors from the show turning around and sitting down on the floor to watch this trailer for the new <laughs> season. Cause they had never seen it yeah. before either. And, yeah. And, you know, and then they always they always roll it again. And, uh, you know, it's it's such a great experience to be in those room with the people who made it and the people who are experiencing it. And everybody loves it so much. You know, there's really the overflow is a nice backup, but it's just not the same.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And with that panel, whether you were in the arena or or not, you got to learn about what the Mandalorian was to a certain extent. They can only say so much. There's a lot of secrets. And I, I love I'm a spoiler free guy. I don't know how. Who else right. is spoiler free? Y'all spoiler oh, free? Th- yeah.
3: So yeah. much that oh. I won't even read some
4: articles. <laughs> I, mean,
3: I, mean, I, mean, I, I really read my hand anything, on audio. anything <laughs>
2: headline. Nope, <laughs> ignore. Yeah. Totally. So with the Mandalorian, I got to see the extended. It was like about twenty minutes of footage. Yeah, yeah we and saw it too. Well, yep. no, you had to be in the arena, right? Mm-mm. I mean, no, they, we they, saw I it in the overflow
3: room. Uh, there's only one of us who didn't get to see
2: it wow uh, rubbing it in. <laughs> well okay so i i thought it was arena only where they showed that 20 minute clip yeah, now, we so had to so win so a
3: lottery too for the overflow room yeah.
2: okay okay that was really incredible i remember having an emotional reaction to it i remember the uh Kawaki monkey lizard scene that I you see in episode that, one yeah, yeah. and that to me i go oh We're in Star Wars. Like, this is Star Wars. Like, I got really excited, and um, it's weird. I was trying to remember what – did was there anything I missed from that 20 minutes uh, or maybe something in that? Because you know how they release trailers. Sometimes the footage Mm -hmm. isn't in the movie. Was that a linear piece of footage we saw at Celebration? I guess I'd have to go back and watch a bootleg version of it. But, man, the emotional impact I had was heavy.
1: I, I think it was just a it was a much different tone for Star Wars. Even in that first 15 minutes, like you were watching it and it was like, this is the live show I think that we've been waiting for, or this TV show that we've been waiting to see. It was just a very different feel. It felt very Rogue One-ish to me, like a darker kind of tone to it, like, oh, okay, this is this isn't like, hey, episode one, it's a little bit no, happier, that's, that's it's fair. a little bit brighter, right? It's not a um, it, it, it just felt to me like this is kind of cool this is the uh the the what do I want to say the um it's it's the darker side it's the uh, rogues or the um the scum and villainy type the, underworld. Thing. the underworld the underworld that i yeah, want to see people living Star on the edge of society yes yes yeah. exactly
4: well another thing that got me really excited you know we find out that Filoni and Favro both work on this together and i feel like it's more universally known that a lot of people love the Clone Wars. They love Rebels and the stories that Filoni brought from the EU into canon. And everyone knows Favreau from being kind of the godfather of the MCU and kind of kicking that off with Iron Man. It's just like, you know, two perfects coming together. And I think that's a lot of excitement. We love Filoni's storytelling. We love Favreau's directing and the way he kind of brings a story full circle to everything. And I think that was, if anything, got me most
0: excited, knowing Filoni and Favreau working together on this show. And just just to add on that last thing you said, like, wa- watching the panel really got me excited because if you didn't know better, watching Filoni and and Favreau talk about the Star Wars, it was just like it was two of us, like two like ordinary non-famous nerds talking about how much they love Star Wars. And I was like, right. okay, yeah, this is in good hands. This is going to be awesome.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, now, I'm going to eat shit a little bit. I uh, oh. am. And, and I... <laughs>
0: So I was <laughs> Bro. Saying, yeah i know where this is going already
2: <laughs> so i uh you know i was very very anti john favreau being involved with star wars i was i was not uh i was not a terribly huge fan of iron man i didn't really i, I respected his legacy in the mcu but i go dude this is the guy from the chef movie. This is the goofy <laughs> guy from PCU. What is he going to do? What is this? Like he, Swingers. to me, it was like, it was a weirder Kevin Smith. Like if Kevin Smith <laughs> ran the Mandalorian and listen, I've met Kevin, he's a beautiful guy. Uh, I, I actually, I've worked on a few of his smodcasts back in the day. You're going back a lot of years, but yeah, it was like, uh, it, you know, to me, John Favreau, I was like, almost like, Oh no, this is going to be awful. I ate, Super <laughs> shit because John Favreau won my heart at the celebration panel, and now here we are, two episodes in. The combination of Favreau and Filoni is a, a master stroke. It was the Star Wars that w- should have always been that we were destined to have. George Lucas's heir apparent, Dave Filoni, m- matched up with a superior. Uh, incredible technical filmmaker, a magical storyteller. Uh, This is just... uh, We're in for such a treat. We're only 25% in season one.
0: Mm -hmm. So, one, Chris, I'm glad you returned from the dark side. (laughs) 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 And, uh... Oh, man, I forgot my other point. <laughs> <laughs> that it doesn't
2: matter. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh,
0: I would like to point out three years ago when Justin
4: and I were in Orlando for Celebration, and we got to meet Dave Filoni and um, he did a charity autograph session. And we just got a few minutes to talk to him, and he kind of picked his brain a little bit. And one of the things I asked him was when he was going to do a live-action show or a live-action movie. He's like, oh, I guess we'll have to see, him. Yep. You see what happens. Yep. And kind of playing
0: dumb, and I feel like he knew this all along. It was, you know, oh, it was in yeah.
4: Works Definitely by then, but super nice guy to talk to.
0: If Kevin Smith made it to be all dialogue, that's what I was going to say.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just want to say, for one, as as a huge fan, I am really happy that uh, Dave Filoni got this opportunity. Not that it's a promotion by any means, because I love the animated shows, but it's obviously something you can tell from the the post-premiere interviews that they did, that it was emotional to him and it meant something to him and it was important to him. And I think he's done so right by us and by the franchise that I'm i am glad he's getting more opportunities.
1: And let's not forget that there's a behind-the-scenes person that I think makes sure that they are in line with everything they're doing in Pablo Hidalgo and making sure that what you are doing is accurate and you can run with it and you can go with it and expand on it. So...
2: Yeah, the story group. The story group has definitely expanded over the years since post Disney. Um, Matt Martin is another person who had a hand in on that. But yeah, it's uh, it's the whole culmination of mm-hmm. of all these pure Star Wars, and that's kind of where where we want to get into now. I consider the Mandalorian is pure heroine Star Wars. It is like <laughs> the purest version of Star Wars. So what what is it, man? Let's break down this show let's let's get into it we got a lot of notes here we got a lot to go over we have approximately one hour of footage so far (laughs) two chapters let's let's go that way we have two chapters two Mm. brilliant chapters so um this segment guys let's just go down the the list here um we have our notes in front of us there's so much to get into i don't think we're going to be able to cram it into this episode but let's see where we get with it um I, I hate to I hate to throw this out first, guys, because it's such a big topic, and it's taking the internet over uh, by storm with <laughs> lots all the of me- memes, lots of memes and oh, <laughs> whoa, dude! I'm gonna just say it. right, you are, baby, friggin' Yoda, baby Yoda. Come on, how and it's c- hard because we don't have a species yet. Yeah. We don't have one. what do we call this we guy? What do? what do we call him? What a magical gift george lucas gave to favreau and Filoni, man like this is okay dude i literally am getting goosebumps now talking about this uh i never thought in a million years i heard a rumor okay i do talk to a lot of people behind the scenes at star wars and i did hear a rumor at celebration it was like a, that there was a baby involved and that, and that was it there was no species there was no that the mandalorian was going to protect a baby now i heard that a, it's really ins- amazing how
3: tight-lipped they kept this.
2: It, yeah, this was from an insider, someone who who actually knows George Lucas. I'm not going to go any further than that. That w- we were smoking cigars, and he goes, "You know, it, you know, the show's about a baby." And I was like, ah, "Well, maybe." I, that's weird. And it turns out it's the cutest friggin' Star Wars character of all time by um, a wide margin. And by a wide margin, <laughs> you're right. Don't forget about Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jar Jar in those senator robes. Woo. Got I don't know, me what's, going. The, what's
1: the little baby hut in uh, Clone Wars? What's, oh uh... <laughs> stinky.
2: Oh, <yeah>. Stinky <laughs> the Hut.
1: Stinky Come on, man. the Hut.
2: <laughs> Rhoda.
1: Number four. So, Rhoda. Yeah. So
2: we have um we have this baby Yoda. It's unidentified species, which I love. Keep the mystery, please. Uh, it 50 is, year old baby. It's a 50 year old baby who is it is absolutely a puppet, which is great. They are keeping the puppet tradition alive. Um, it's a master. It's a mastercraft puppet. If you look closely, it is just. I can't even think. I can't even fathom how the operators use that puppet. There, I think there's six or seven operators credited, to to run that puppet. My goodness, uh, it is a gorgeous creature. It is a perfect design. Uh, it, is, it elicits all the emotions of cuteness. When the ears kind of tuck back, the head tilts. Uh, you the know, ears are very
3: expressive, even.
2: Oh, absolutely. The eyes. The eyes. The absolutely. eyes tell you a lot. But this creature is just, it was such an incredible surprise cliffhanger at the end of episode, chapter one. At the end of chapter one. And I cannot wait. I literally cannot wait to see where this story goes and how this cute little baby Yoda... Because I don't have a name for it. We don't know the name. Maybe it's Yodel. uh, (laughs) Yodel and Yoda's love child. Um, But this is... you know, Speaking of that, I've had a lot of conversations with people. Is is this a clone? It's 50 years old, which would put it in the Clone Wars era. Anakin Skywalker. Uh, He would probably be about 50 years old at this time. Five years after Return of the Jedi. You have... Uh, You know, Yoda, who was approximately 850 years old, 50 years ago, Um, Yaddle was still around on the Jedi Council, and we don't know much about the species from canon other than it's still considered a Force-sensitive species, and this will even go in the EU. Josh, maybe you have some knowledge about this. But the the species that Yoda is, is generally considered a Force-sensitive species. So I'm glad to see that this carried over into new canon, um, as we know that Baby Yoda was attempting to heal the Mandalorian, who got injured in a battle. And then Baby Yoda used the Force to prevent a certain death attack from a horned beast in, an, in a pivotal moment in Chapter 2. Um, Ezra-like. Yo, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: That's exactly what I thought, too.
2: <laughs> but here's the thing, the Mandalorian only discovers baby Yoda because he gets put on a bounty by um, Warner Herzog's character. I don't remember his name or even if he has a name as they call a, him yeah, the, client. Him the client. OK, he gets put on this, but there's a secondary character in that scene. Dr. Pershing. OK, do any of you notice what was on Dr. Pershing's sleeve? Have you seen it? I did. He <laughs> <You> did.
3: <Okay. laughs> yeah, it was uh, similar to what they had on their sleeves on Camino, right? Absolutely.
2: Why would a doctor want a bounty alive? I mean, you saw how desperate he was to make sure it was alive. Have a Camino cloning uh, emblem on their jacket. This is a this is an incredible uh, nugget to kind of digest. A fifty year old baby from and the person who wants him the most is a camino cloner. I don't know, is it a clone of Yoda? Did the Jedi clone themselves because they had a premonition that maybe they were going to be wiped out at some point? It's a lot to think about. Um but could this be Yoda? What do you guys think?
3: My first instinct was that the doctor wanted to uh study uh and run tests on that baby and then potentially clone it for mm. their purposes. <laughs> Um, you know, and then I, I saw other people speculating across the internet about, you know, whether the baby was a clone itself and, um, you know, that wasn't my first reaction, but, you know, I think certainly almost anything is on the table, right?
4: Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's interesting too, that if you go back and you watch it a second time, when did you realize that the baby Yoda was force sensitive? Was it actually when you know, the, what is it? The mud, uh, the mud horn, horn when it lifts it up out of the ground or was it in the first couple of minutes when they're walking through the chasm and Uh, you see one lizard that runs away because the Mandalorian walked up. But then after that, several of the lizards start following it. So is it, they were following it like, oh, look, it's food. Or was he actually kind of, communing with nature and pulling them in
3: you know i actually wrote down uh, a, a few notes as i mentioned to you guys <laughs> and, and yeah, that's one of all the, the, now. <laughs> yeah that's one of the things i did write down is I, that they made a point of showing as the mandalorian walked up all those little lizard creatures are scattering and obviously they scatter from people um oh. but then as the baby yoda comes up they're coming back and i i think throughout the show they're showing how connected that baby yoda is you know and it's a i don't want to go off on a tangent here but the force is about your connection to it it's not training or age or whatever he's a baby but he's just connected to the things around him you know what i mean and i think they're making that very apparent
2: yeah, and, and Justin, you made a good point about the lizard thing. That's when I first put it together. I mean, I assumed that it was going to be a force-sensitive uh, being. I didn't know how soon we would see it, but you're right. And and thankfully, to rebels, we understand uh, how a Jedi's connection to creatures could be established in a strong way um, with Ezra Bridger and his connection with with creatures. This was just such a a just a beautiful moment. It and was even- great.
1: And even before that, with Anakin in Attack of the Clones, when he walks up to oh uh, the yeah the beast, yeah. and he kind of calms he it calms down, and he hops down.
2: on yeah absolutely. So. There's been similar. instances
1: of it many, many times before, um, but it, it's it's pre- it's prevalent throughout the Star Wars universe.
4: So at the end of episode three, Palpatine and Yoda have that big fight, you know, throughout the Senate room and everything. And we all know Palpatine has done a lot of things behind the scenes that no one knows about as far as cloning himself or the, um, the Inquisitors and everything like that. You know, maybe he found this species like Yoda and was kind of trying to breed it up and use it as kind of a, you know, an apprentice of some kind.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, I'm, I'm not very good at math. But if if baby Yoda is 50 years old, if we were to kind of take Yoda's age at 900 and, and say, OK, a baby's 50 years old, Yoda would only be like 18 in human years. If if this baby Yoda is growing as like a human would Yoda's like 18, man. Like, I don't know. Does that math make sense to you guys or am I crazy? That's a lot of math.
1: <laughs> I'm crazy. You may be slightly crazy, too. Yeah, that's entirely possible.
2: Well, I'm thinking dog years. I'm thinking (laughs) dog years. So um, speaking of math, Justin, you have a great point uh, that you picked out from here. uh,
1: So with math, right, one of the things that I absolutely loved was when you when the Mandalorian gets there and he takes his first bounty in episode one and he says, well, those are imperial credits. And he's like, you know, Carl Weathers goes, I can pay you in calamari flan. And he throws (laughs) out his disc chips that look like gelatinous gummies that when he puts them on the table you hear this squish sound and there's you know mandalorian puts his hand on it and then he slides it towards him and you see this little slimy trail of <laughs> of goo of oh yeah calamari flan and i'm going this is awesome because you actually get to see um something other than you know paper money or uh, gold like bars right uh, Whatever, imperial credits and bars, um, or chips from, uh, like the solo movie, right?
2: Mm, yeah. You
1: get to see something different that's representative of an alien species or an alien culture and what they use for, uh, monetary units. I just, I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm in a whole other universe right now. This is amazing. I love that. So, yeah. Josh.
0: I, I thought the larger, like, implication of that too was that, like, the, Empire is, is like floundering or gone. Mm-hmm. And mm. now you have Mon Calamari, who's like one of the, you know, leading member States of the new Republic. And right. like that carries yeah. more weight because they're in power now. So I thought, I thought that was cool yeah. too. Yeah.
2: So it's interesting to think, cause I, I don't, I can't think of another time that we've ever seen Calamari flan anywhere. And you mentioned the the solo movie. I wonder if there's any Calamari flan on the sabacc table, um, That would be fascinating to go back and look, Um, but yeah, man, dude, listen, that squish sound is like—it's an oddly <laughs> pleasing, weird. Sound. Yeah, I don't, it was yeah. just fun, and it, it's just fun. You—you you can tell
3: later he uses that flan to to pay for um his pauldron yeah. it, with yep. the armor, and it makes the same sound when she oh, takes that's right, it. That's right, because he gives he gives the you know the ingot for her to melt down that's the raw material, but he also pays her, you know? Yeah. I thought, yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. I loved it. That was my number one. Kyle, what's
2: your number one, man?
3: Uh, mine is like a little bit more broad than that. I, I really (laughs) love that whole scene where he went down, um, to get his pauldron made from the armor. I, I think that was like kind of a Mandalorian refugee camp. It seemed like to me, That he walked down into um it it looked to me like one of the mandalorians in the background was almost standing guard uh which i don't know if that's because uh they feel scared and like they need to guard themselves or if that's just where um you know part of how mandalorians are but i thought that whole scene with him walking in and he gets a new piece to his armor and he's completing himself he's completing his armor and we're learning that apparently uh, that's not all made of that, uh, what's the the Beskar?
2: Beskar! Uh,
3: yeah, it's not all made from the Beskar, and it looks to me, and maybe you guys have thoughts on this too, that after he got that pauldron made for his shoulder, I, I looked more closely, and I felt like only his helmet and that pauldron were actually made of the Beskar, and, and maybe the rest of his armor is still incomplete, and that's probably something we're going to be looking at throughout the series.
2: I think it's that's like a fun that's a fun thing to me. It's like a challenge. it's not a challenge almost, but like it's almost Zelda-esque, where you have to go on these quests and you 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 get enough Beskar to build your uniform. So I think by the end of season one we'll see him in a full uh, Beskar uniform, which would be incredible. And gotta
1: sell gotta sell those figures.
3: You know, I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely not an expert here, but it's like it's a metaphor for him too. You know, he mentions that he's an orphan. He's got this incomplete armor. He's not, uh, you know, we see these different instances throughout the episodes where he's not a hundred percent sure what his role is, or even what his history is, his personal history or the history of Mandalore. You know, he even got a little lesson from Nick Nolte's, uh, character trying to get him to ride the blurg later about, you know, who the Mandalorians were. And I think, you know, as he completes his armor, he's completing his vision of himself and his, you know, what his goals are and what he's trying to accomplish and that kind of thing.
2: And you're right. Like your point, it your point really establishes such a, a massive portion of what the story is going to be for the Mandalorian, because it it will dive into the Mandalorian history, the lore, yeah. the lore in the Mandalorian. Right. That's like,
3: what I really love. They,
2: they have such a rich history as it is in canon, thanks to the Clone Wars, thanks to Rebels, um, and it really point, poses the question, we know that there is some type of great purge. Does it happen on Mandalore? Does it happen on Concord Dawn? Are we going to learn to see what happens here? There's so much to dissect, and I think we're going to learn about, about the moments when he heads into that Mandalorian enclave on whatever planet that is. I don't even know mm-hmm. what planet they're on. Yeah. Well, and I
3: I read, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or I, or an article somewhere, but someone was saying how they thought when they mentioned the Purge that it was the Jedi Purge, Order 66, and that was not the impression I got. I thought the Mandalorians were talking about something uh, more specific to actual Mandalore. I thought the the Empire would see uh, Mandalore, Bo-Katan is taken charge, and they are not wanting to be part of the empire they don't want to you know kind of bend the knee so to speak and and they were seen as a threat and they got taken out right
2: yeah let's not forget palpatine hated any any type of uh military might that would give his empire a problem and we all know the mandalorians were a master war you know they're a race of warriors right so with a valuable
3: natural resource
2: absolutely mm-hmm. so why wouldn't why wouldn't he take them out it would make perfect sense I, to me. that's that's what i was thinking when well, i you first keep
4: thought. seeing the flashbacks between the two episodes of him when he was a child and you see his parents and they're obviously hiding from some kind of battle possibly that purge that we're talking about right now you know I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they open this whole can of worms and we get that history of mandalore which we've been wanting forever
3: <laughs> i thought that was yeah. shot so beautifully too with her hammering the pauldron with in synchronized with the flashbacks and mm-hmm. the flashbacks to me were total rogue one vibes. It had that kind of like desaturated uh wartime feel to it and then the people running around with the explosions just like when uh Jin and Cassian are first uh arrive on Jeddah and there's mm-hmm. all that big firefight, you know, and then obviously when they drop him and hide him, that's almost the exact same image as when Jin urso gets hidden you know at mm-hmm. the beginning of
0: Rogue one i'm i'm really wondering about the timing of the great purge too because like what we know is that they got they the empire took their beskar right as part of the great purge and he said that they have like pallets of it Mm-hmm. but we don't have any like story of the empire using the best car for anything. And obviously they would have done that at some point when they had more power than they do now. So I'm, I'm just wondering where they're going to put that.
1: I think it'll be interesting because there was a, obviously the kiln or whatever you want to call it, that she put the best car on, melted it down in like two seconds. That. It kind of makes me wonder if that's a tool exclusive to what Mandalorians use to mold and, you know, make their armor that maybe the the Imperials didn't have, so they couldn't do it. But I think uh, to yeah. Vic's point, like the, in the flashbacks, right, um, the purge could have come, we don't really know yet. In In some of the flashback scenes, or at least from the trailers and what you've seen on those TV spots, it almost looks like there's a droid gunship that flies over top at one point. And then there's a B-1, or a, not a B-1, it's the super battle droid in the background, Firing guns at them. So it's almost as if it happened during the Clone Wars that they purged. um, But clearly, that doesn't tie in with totally rebels and what goes on there. So it's almost like there's a little bit of a uh, a mismatch there of what happened. So I don't know.
2: I think it's definitely post Rebels, and I think the Empire did learn how to manage the Beskar because we see the the Imperial uh, insignia stamped sure. into that that first you know p- that down payment. But it gotta be post Rebels, um, you know, putting the Mandalorian somewhere maybe about twenty five to thirty years old. Um, mm. But I, I think I, I have to go back in my memory banks. Because I am, I'm a book freak, just like you, Josh. I don't remember seeing a reference to Beskar being used in the Death Star or the building of any super weapons. Um, it would, it, it, would be fascinating to see where this angle goes, for sure.
3: I thought they talked about a lot about whatever metal it was they were mining on Lothal um, that was being used to construct the Death Star. I think. They talked about that in the first Thrawn book. So uh, you guys are way more well-read than me. Josh would educate me.
0: Well, it wasn't best It has no. some weird name. that starts with a D. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause there's a whole, there's like yeah. whole storylines about how they're shipping that and and hiding where it's going and pulling it from other projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I don't, we don't really have any, st- like this is a new, I think the purge, the way they're framing it here is is a new thing. There isn't any mm-hmm. basis for it yet.
2: Yeah, the, the metal was dunium. Uh oh, that's it that's, yep, yeah. that's it. So it, it wasn't Best Car, but it's crazy to th- I'm really like racking my brain right now on I- any type of reference to Best Car at all. So this is it, it it will be really awesome to see where this goes. I think I think Kyle, that whole scene that you that you picked as as your point, like
3: Oh, I loved it. I could talk for another thirty minutes if you'd like.
2: <laughs> I mean it, it takes up such a short amount of of actual like visual storytelling time, but it's so rich in its visuals and it leaves just enough mystery to make you want more. And I think it's going to be like a safe point in a video game where he's going to keep coming Mm -hmm. back to it. And, you know, um, a couple things. And I, I don't know if you guys want to touch on the background characters in the Mandalorian enclave, but I'm telling you right now, you can you can fight me, <laughs> fight me on this all you want. <laughs> Boba, F- Boba Fett slash Jaster Mirel's armor makes a beautiful cameo. He is the second. He or she is the second Mandalorian on the right hand side as the actual Mandalorian walks into the underground layer. Now. If you're unfamiliar with Jaster Muriel, he was a journeyman protector, um, was alive before Jango Fett got into prominence, so it's a it's an older Mandalorian. I don't know if this is canon. This is from Expanded Universe, so I don't know yeah, if they're it's bringing in. it's not canon right now. The, beautiful. But this whole paint scheme on that Mandalorian is very similar to the Kenner Boba Fett paint styling, um, so very pronounced red, very pronounced yellow. But what got me... First watching, I'm telling you, the first watching is when that particular Mandalorian makes a little slight turn and has a head turn. It is almost identical to the same turn, the same visual turn that he gives, uh, Boba Fett gives in Return of the Jedi. Match it up, watch it, yell at me, tell me I'm an idiot. (laughs) But I'm telling you that it may or may not be Boba Fett. I don't think it is i don't yeah. think it is because as we learn from the aftermath books his armor does find its way out of the sarlacc pit mm-hmm. um boba fett is neither alive nor dead in canon uh but it would be absolutely mandalorian <laughs> it would be <laughs> it would be fascinating to see some type of homages to former mandalorians or expanded universe mandalorians um it would be nice to give a shout out to bo katan like everybody right like mm-hmm. let's try to get an Nod, and I've been yelled at for this. No, you can't do this. This is new storytelling. I don't know, man. Like, I've been a fan for 30 plus years. <laughs> Give me something.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if they delve into the clans or anything like that that were involved with the Mandalorians, Clan wren or any of, of those, right? Like, I, I think that's a big part of the Mandalorian lore and uh because there's i mean obviously those factions ward with each other over time so i think it'll be interesting to see how if any of those conflicts from those family fights eons ago come back in the new ones
3: i actually have something written down about that when when she uh when he takes that beskar ingot to her and gets it melted down she says uh it's good that it's back with the tribe uh and yeah. you know she's referencing i, I think mandalorians as a whole uh all of them which is different than Mm -hmm. how it's been in the past because it's like you said there's the clans and the houses and they're often at odds they're always warring and um i'm wondering if much like how i said it looked like there was somebody standing guard at the front um you know after the purge they're scattered their numbers are down or have they kind of come together over uh you know necessity fear uh whatever impending danger whatever it is it seems to me like uh there's not a lot of them um and and they've kind of pulled together to one group one tribe and not their houses and right. clans as much yep oh,
4: yeah. and chris to go off your point with uh, the mandalorian in the background who supposedly looks like boba fett which i agree i don't think it's boba fett at all either but you know, it could be an Easter egg to what you know the Kenner figure was. So they could also use the uh, the armor from the animated Bubba Fett as well that came out this past summer on the Funko version. Um, you know, there's lots of different Easter eggs I feel they could put in and go on Kyle's point with Bubba Fett if they're going to do it. It's going to be right in your face, and you know, oh. I think it'd be really cool if we do get Bubba Fett, you know, to see a final definition of what happened to him. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, whether it's like a history of why he's dead or his armor comes out, you know, who has it. I think it's uh, a whole can of worms they can go into with this whole show they have.
2: Yeah, and and I think with the Boba Fett thing, my bold prediction was that The Mandalorian was going to end up meeting Boba Fett at the end of Episode 1 or Chapter 1 or at some point in season and and learn some of his history or learn something from Boba Fett to pass along. I'm so much happier it didn't go that route. I don't know what I want to see from Boba Fett at this point. I don't don't think The Mandalorian is Boba Fett, which uh, there was an article that came out this last week that was – oh yeah he's totally boba fett on a reputable website and i'm like dude stop it's not i don't want it to be boba fett as a diehard boba fett fan i don't want it to be boba fett but the one thing i do want and this is the last thing i want to touch on with your point kyle when they were when the armorer was you know talking about the clan or the, the tribe right and justin you brought up the different clans and that is such a huge part of Mandalorian history. And, mm-hmm. but she brings up, you haven't, what did she say? It's something like you don't have a signet yet, or you haven't she figured says, out it hasn't
3: been revealed. She says, has your signet been revealed? And he says, not yet.
2: So I yeah. wonder, I wonder if that is, I, I don't know how that happens. I don't know enough about yeah, what I, they're I going to do. I wrote down a lot of questions, but <laughs> 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 who
3: reveals it? When does it happen? Too how many do you questions. Get
2: yeah. What? So my, my hope is, Is that it is the journeyman protector signet, which is a a signet that Boba Fett wears on his armor. It's not exclusive to Boba Fett. It is the the circle with almost like the 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 leaf that goes through, exactly. That would be a nice homage um, to Boba Fett without going like hardcore into it. But I I definitely am fascinated to see where that angle goes to. There was so much given in that scene. It was like a a very deep ten minutes.
3: Can I just say one very last thing? Um, is that they also mentioned on, <clears throat> they also mentioned the foundlings, and so obviously we uh, know yeah. that that's something that they're trying to take care of. You know, again, I think that's showing that their numbers are down. They got to do everything they can to, you know, protect all the Mandalorians that are still out there. Um, and obviously, the whole thing was a very uh, sincere, emotional experience, both for him and I think for the armor. Um And I think you can tell the whole tone of the episode changed after that scene. Everything before it was this very kind of dark and somber, low key lighting, uh, shadowy. And then after that, we're out in the sun and it's the higher key lighting and he's, uh, you know, kind of got a different purpose and a different sense of himself. I think it uh, it was so great.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, great point, Kyle.
3: So Vic, what do you got?
4: Well, the end of the first episode was probably my favorite thing so far in the whole two episodes. Was the battle scene with all the you know the pirates or scoundrels that you know that he's fighting with IG um, Eleven there. You know, normally I'm like the Star Wars fan that I like a good lightsaber scene. You know, that's what people love to see. You know, the Jedi, the Sith, lightsabers battling. That's why I feel like Solo wasn't a huge success. It wasn't any of that in there. But I feel like this battle scene was very well choreographed and, you know, the suspense of him and the droid, you know, pretty much being, like I'm going to self-destruct now and all this. And then he gets on that cannon. just, like, you know, it just like was amazing to me. It was like, like a classic 80s, early 90s action movie. It was like that suspense and action and the killing. They did not hold anything back in it. And I loved it. It was my favorite thing so far as far as, like, getting me hyped up you know so that's my favorite thing it
1: was very much gunfight at the okay corral like 100 percent it was tombstone it was two dudes rolling up right we're seriously outnumbered let's do this and he you know he's like oh i will initiate self-destruct like, we got this we got this we can handle it and he's like just relax do
2: not (laughs) self-destruct
1: do not (laughs) self-destruct
2: yeah that so IG Eleven is like one of my new favorite characters for sure. That yeah, that whole him. ending scene, like, dude, his voice was fantastic. It was it was so cold. It was very mechanical. It was perfect. Had that little New Zealand like twang to it. Um that was just odd enough for the Star Wars universe. But you're dude, Vic, this is like dude, you read my mind because that end scene is just so great and the banter between the Mandalorian and IG-11. I want more, but it's okay if we don't get more because what we were given was so incredible. That self-destruct sequence is like Han Solo yelling at C-3PO. It is like gold. Never told me comedy the odds. gold. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, it's fantastic.
4: Well, we still don't know who hired him either. Oh, true. Ooh, yeah. true. Yeah. Good yeah. point. We don't know who sent him there.
2: That's a good point.
0: I, I love the uh, all the like the swivel shooting, like just yeah. how how smooth oh, everything hurt. was. He was going everywhere, and I I really think. Uh-oh,
3: I think, I think we, lost. we lost Josh a little oh, bit.
0: Oh, we lost Josh. That, that IG uh,
3: Josh. that IG eleven was so articulated, and his his eyes or eyes, you know, were spinning, and his his arms were spinning, and he was Tycho so was quickly doing
0: a Jermaine uh, Clement Uh, (laughs) (laughs) impersonation of that. I didn't know I left.
2: For a second, bud. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, um, you know, my thing is with the IG assassin droid, we've seen them in Clone Wars. Uh, We have seen them in Shadows of the Empire. We've seen IG-88, Shadows of the Empire video game. But we finally got to see a live action IG unit do what it does best, which is just assassinate people. And what a beautiful... Beautiful, whether whether it was CGI, live, whatever, man, I don't care what it was. It was absolutely it was awesome. gorgeous. Yeah.
1: Which I, I think it'll be interesting because he technically didn't give away his number. We assume that is IG11, right? Because it's Tyka, That's true right? That is we true. We assume that it's IG11, yep. but there's numerous that were made. We actually saw two of them in uh, an episode of Clone Wars. Mm. Um, that were fighting uh, Ahsoka and, uh, I can't remember who else was in there, but there were two of them in Clone Wars. So we don't really know that that's IG-11. He looks like the figure. He has all this stuff. question is, I mean, spoiler alert, he capped him in the head after (laughs) finding Baby Yoda, right? He capped him in the head and then clearly left him there because he walked away in Episode 2 with just the baby. So is that actually IG-11 or is that a different unit that was sent out? So, and he did reference his maker won't allow him to be captured. So they could all sound the same, essentially, because we've never really heard IG's talk. So I don't know. Is that actually IG 11 or is that a different one?
2: I, you know, I, I, I'm, g- I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think that was IG-11, but I also think it's going to be the first and last time we see IG-11 in the Mandalorian series. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because you have so many other characters that are about to be on the show. Um, you, have a lot of, you're, you have a lot of new places you're going to explore. And I think it was just the perfect cameo. Uh, for that character build just enough to leave. You want Josh, you want that backstory. You want to learn where the IG 11 comes from and it's going to come in the comics. It's going to maybe have a book, right? Is IG 11 made in the same factory as IG 88? I don't know. Like those are all stories that can be told
4: there's a movie back in the 90s called hot shots it was charlie sheen it's kind of like oh, <laughs> you know, top gun and rambo <laughs> and there's hot shots part 2 when he's like rambo and he's at the end and he's like shooting all the the vietnamese and like you see the tally marks going on i like i was watching the episode one i am seeing like blasting everybody i keep thinking the tally marks from hot shots part 2 when he's like just shooting them all <laughs> all the way down
3: <laughs> yeah i saw um you know, they, they made a, a point a couple times during the episode that um, the Mandalorian's not really a fan of droids. So uh, it stands to oh, reason that man. he may not be. But I remember at the very, very beginning. He was willing yeah. to pay extra for a, a sentient <laughs> driver because no droids, you know. So uh, I think it stands to reason there's no love lost there. And maybe he wouldn't be real keen to team up yeah. with one long term. That was a strictly for survival of the moment type thing.
2: That's yeah. funny. So, I, I would say that's a beautiful ending to, you know, the for the first chapter. Uh, I, I think it was definitely uh, intense and had a, a lot of humor in, in, integrated with it. But it wouldn't be anything without music.
0: Josh, Ooh. I saw your note, man, Segway, right? Segway, baby. I yeah. love the segues So, yeah, let me take it and do something that's, like, not in-universe here. Um, Ooh, okay. so the, Ooh, Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, we're all talking about, like, what happened in the show. But, um, you know... One of the huge things about Star Wars is John Williams and his score. Well, obviously, a lot of people are leery about the new stuff that's not going to have him. And I feel like they, you know, they, pick, I don't know how like Ludwig uh, Grandson got uh, like shot into this, but he is like a perfect pick. He's he made the Black Panther soundtrack or score that was really great. He did. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's both, right yeah. Both the Creed, both the Creed ones, and he's actually uh, Childish Gambino's producer. So no. like all of them. Are you yeah, serious? Oh, yeah. I was, Whoa! I, that, I love yeah, no, his music, he, dude. He won several uh, Grammys for his work, um, wow. and I feel like what he did for Mandalorian was like a perfect mixture of like Western influence music with your john williams type like Classic symphonic stuff so i yeah, yeah I, I saw people hating on it because it was different but it's like we're gonna have to move past john Destiny. williams at some point
1: you know yeah the, that mean hook that you hear like that do 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 as he's like oh, walking through stuff it's very like uh wah, yeah. wah, 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 like that it's very westerny and it's it's fantastic i love it i
2: love your sound effects justin the song thank you <laughs> they thank have you. great great sound effects thank you. i uh <laughs> We did. I was on a, a another podcast, my friend's Rebel Force Radio, directly after the, like I don't know, maybe it was like ten thirty at night Eastern time. But a lot of people were hating on the soundtrack, and I couldn't understand why. I mean, I'm talking a lot of people. A lot of people listen to that that podcast, and a lot of their fans were saying they didn't they didn't like the the soundtrack. To me, it was very Blade Runner. It was very Dune. It was very mm-hmm. futuristic. But it it definitely didn't detract. From Star Wars. It didn't, Very to me, I, I didn't think, man, this isn't Star Wars. I think this is new Star Wars. And if we are going to go in a John Williams less direction um, without the master, the most incredible conductor of all time, IMO, uh, this, this Ludwig. <laughs> My dude if he's with Gambino, I'm in the same camp. Let's roll, dude. I'm into it. Let's go.
3: Well, and there's no there's no nothing wrong with this show kind of standing on its own legs a little bit, right? It's not uh it's not a movie. It's not a saga film. It's uh to me music is a huge part of Star Wars, but as long as the music adds to the material, adds to the story the way it's supposed to, then uh, that's good to me. You know, It doesn't have to sound exactly the same as the saga films, because right. it's not the same. It's its own yeah. thing.
4: Yep. Well, like, I feel like that's part of the beauty of The Mandalorian. I'm going for you, Kyle. It has nothing to do with the Skywalker saga. It has nothing to do with the prequels, what's going on right now. It is its own story. We have no idea where this is going to go, which I think is the beauty of this. The prequels, we knew where it was all going to head to. We just knew it. The new episodes, episode 7, eight, 9, yes, it's new, but it's still Skywalker, still Vader, still Palpatine. You know, I like the beauty of this Mandalorian. You don't know where it's going to go. You know, yep. there's no Sith involved. Yes, there's Empire, but we don't have any Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia. This is his own story, and I think I'm so looking forward to this.
0: Well, I mean, that's the whole thing, though. Is it's just people being upset that they don't get to hear their little flourishes of the Imperial March or the or the Force Theme or whatever. Um, and I will admit, there was a part of me that wanted bum, bum, to hear a bum, little bum, bit bum, of <laughs> those, uh, <when> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's okay.
2: Yeah. Well, you get enough uh, new ideas with his score but you also get a lot of tie-ins like the mandalorian theme which i guess is what that main triumphant music is called i don't i don't know if there's song titles on the spotify playlist i don't have spotify um but that is that is still a well orchestrated soundtrack i know he the composer ludwig can he can work with orchestras you just said he did the black panther soundtrack and that's an amazing soundtrack um but it's it's kind of fascinating to me to see the blend of futuristic Blade Runner esque like synth meets you know classical music. So um, it's it's a great it's a great soundtrack, man. I love it. I absolutely love it.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think you if if you look at music, music is a big part of it. I think uh, if you look at characters, those are a big part of it too. One of the biggest things that I absolutely loved about it was the Jawas you don't get a lot of Chawas in the first uh movies that you see them you know they're just they're just running around like oh who are these little guys I think you actually see some characteristics of them uh in in the second episode of this and the child episode and they have personalities right like they um you know, they interact with each other. They clearly have a leadership structure um, in place. Like they have one person <laughs> that's like negotiating. Right. They don't destroy things, they steal things. Um, <laughs> take it apart. It was cool because, and, and then when you see them going, all right, well, you don't want to trade for this, you don't want to trade for this, you don't want to trade for this. All right. Well, we do have one thing we really, really want, and it's Suga. Right. Like, I'm so excited. And I was telling Kyle before. Before we get on here, I said I think my favorite part of that is they're, you know, they're all packed in the sand crawler, right? And the Mandalorian's just sitting there and he's hunched over because it's like so small. And they hit a bump and he hits his head. But there's that one Jawa standing right there. And he just kind of he looks over at him with those eyes and he goes, Suga. And
2: he's like
1: laughing. He's like, Man, I'm stoked for whatever suga is. Let's go get some. And then he's the Mandalorian's just like, I don't even know what this is. Like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it.
2: It's it was such uh, dude that I think the Jawas are for me uh, uh, almost on par with the baby Yoda reveal as far as surprises. I didn't expect to see a Jawa in The Mandalorian, let alone a, a sandcrawler, let alone an Indiana Jones style chase on the sandcrawler of yeah. the Mandalorian trying to get his parts back. Oh uh, yeah. It was like high action sandcrawler. I thought the sandcrawler could only go like 3 miles per hour and here it, it is that <laughs> thing was <laughs> cruising it was yes. crazy. Yeah. The desert. does anybody like, remember what he called the he called it a something of the a,
3: falling uh, fortress. Fortress. a fortress fortress yeah, yeah, the yeah. fortress and uh you know it's funny you called it an indiana jones when uh you know i keep thinking all the western things i see in it and it reminded me of like a train heist or something <laughs> that he's trying to get on yeah. it yeah yeah
4: kind of with, with the score and you know, it's not so much about the music, but how about the new opening credits they have with like the Star Wars theme, like logo Ooh, coming through with all the different yeah. helmets? Yeah. How
3: about so the cool. Star Wars being next to each other instead of stacked?
2: Whoa! Exactly. Yeah. That was. The, I actually didn't even notice the figures at mm-hmm. first. I noticed the font. Mm-hmm. I'm. A, I mean, that was like yeah. very striking to me. And if you can see, they actually ex- uh, um, accentuated the points because a little bit more. Because it's Star
4: Wars; it's a Star Wars story. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a definitely I, it you know, like Rogue One they didn't stack it. No. Solo no. they didn't stack it. But that's but I true. Thur-
1: I thoroughly enjoyed the comedic uh, intro of the Jawas especially when they're sitting there oh. getting popped off at distance with a giant. That's,
4: <laughs> that's my next favorite part. And oh, you siphon them down? <laughs> Where were those bowls are made with? Yeah. the sniper rounds disintegration guys, dis- rounds
2: yes yes we finally <laughs> saw disintegrations <laughs> yes, yes.
4: The, like a call of duty is popping people off and the <laughs> sniper you know it was awesome
2: but it, yeah, it's it's bad. so great to see the line from empire strikes back come full circle no disintegrations and yep. now we get to see the mandalorian disintegrate yeah. oh dude <laughs> yeah. incredible and so <laughs>
0: For, Was the for, pulse thing the same thing that they shot R two with in uh, in the first movie? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. They yeah. Yeah, the little yeah. static guns. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: It's the it's the same. It's the same sound effect. It's it's brilliant. But I'm so happy we got to actually see more than just a few little small cutscenes of Jawas. We got to see the like. We got to see a little bit more personality. We get to see the humor behind them and the quirkiness. Um, you know, when I read when I read Jawas in the expanded novels and everything, I always think they're dirty little weird like rat creatures, almost with no personalities. Right, Garmin. like they. Vermin, exactly. But now we can tell that they're actually pretty funny and weird. Yeah.
1: And he's, like, pulling down the mic. He's like, hey, drive over. He's on the side. Pull over to the mountain and ram him into it. And he's like, (laughs) it starts scooting over, right? And he, like, ducks up real quick. So they they do have... Uh, a, an intelligence about them that I don't think most people uh, assume. Right after seeing him in the first, you know, couple movies, you're just like, "Oh, these things are dumb. And they just steal parts." Oh, they
0: all
4: like proud of him,
0: and surrounded
1: with all the
4: guns. He's like, eh, I like the opposite." Yeah, of this. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, I love that he's killed several of them and like ruined their oh, ship, yeah. and they're still shit talking the guy. They're like, "You're know, <laughs> like, are like, I'm like, well, like a Wookiee or whatever." Like, and it's like he's it dumb as a Wookiee. Wookiee Right, right.
2: right. Like. Oh, yeah. Well there's a <laughs> there's another creature in in chapter 1 that Kyle you called out.
3: The the blurgs, those are the, the big uh, they they reminded me kind of like a bipedal dobacks a little yes. bit. They uh, but he gets kind of trounced by one right when he lands on Do we have a name for that planet? I don't
2: No, I don't, I don't see think any we names do. for any of those planets, man. If you no. guys can find them, let me know. But he uh, he
3: arrives there with the and then the Ugnot saves him. I don't know that I remember his name either. Did we get a name for that character? Really uh, is with-
2: isn't it like Yuli or something?
3: Kiel. Or- Kiel.
2: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Kiel. yeah yeah yeah.
3: Okay, there we go. So he saves him from the Blurgs and then uh you know he has to use one of those to ride to um the mercenary camp to acquire the asset. And one of my favorite. Things we've seen so far is the whole scene with him trying to uh, tame the blurg. I think we kind of it, it it had some Star Wars humor with him getting kicked off and getting frustrated and um, you know I loved that kind of that calm almost Yoda like mentor figure that we were getting from the Ugnaught and uh, you know he he really helped him figure that out and I think part of that was that great little speech he gave him um about how uh your ancestors rode the great mythosaur yeah, yeah. surely you can ride this young foal you know and it's uh, all part of him you know figuring out what it means to be a mandalorian and getting touch with in touch with his roots and all that and i i just love those story beats
2: he has spoken uh, you're you're spot on, man. Um, to me, that was the most western part of the entire two chapters. To me, that yep. was like you're breaking a Bronco or whatever, that is you know, exactly like right. that to me is total Western. And it was I don't know, what do you guys feel about the the windmill touch in the in Kuel's camp? As they were going up to tame the blurg, you see a windmill in the background. Mm. Is that like too earthy? Is that too real world earthy or that was Don Quixote, right?
3: yeah ah, well, <laughs> yeah right <dry> Enough <laughs> to fight the windmills yeah I, yeah i don't know i
1: think it's i think it's fair because i mean you have moisture farmers right he has to have something he the is a powers. Moisture farmer farm clear out there so clearly wind uh is prevalent there so and in there is a giant storm right when he's fixing his armor there's yeah. a giant or when he goes and and fights uh the mud horn right there's a giant mud puddle there so there's clearly rain and wind and Uh, other elements there that he probably draws from. So I was
3: okay with the windmill. And we don't see a lot of civilization around either. He's obviously got to kind of produce for himself, take care of himself. I think it's kind of showing how he's keeping to himself. He's off the beaten path. He's kind of out there doing his own thing.
2: So how do you guys feel, speaking of the Blurg, which is a comical character just visually, Mm. um, on the flip side, you have Nick Nolte's character. Well, at least the character he voices. Cule, cool. That is, I don't hope I'm saying this right. I can't wait to actually hear how that name's pronounced. Um, do you know that's played by a, a female? It's a female actor inside the suit. But that is just such a great character design. But yeah. to me, and you guys, I know you guys know what I'm talking about with this. The Ugnots in the animated series, they don't speak basic. No, not like that. that. No, like, <laughs> no. Hey, oh, no. Uh, no, and they certainly
3: don't seem as clever as he does either. If I'm no. not speaking out, out of turn, there, you know, not to disparage anybody, but he's clearly fine. been
1: educated or learned something or had some kind of past history that has allowed him to he's develop from that. From all his journeymen.
4: He went searching for Baby Yoda, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah. That is- the the i have spoken thing is incredible um but yeah the whole blurg scene man that was it was a nice touch of comic relief with a satisfying ending
3: yeah and not to go this is the last thing i got about the the blurg taming scene um (laughs) and not to go super deep into force lore or whatever but you know a main theme of star wars is that you know if you're Uh, In touch with nature and you're kind to the things around you, you know, with Qui-Gon and the uh, and Jar Jar and, you know, the Ewoks and Ezra Bridger over and over and over again, you know, that's you're kind of going with the will of the force and good things happen that way. And you can tell when. He is calm, and he's talking to that blurg, and he's making a connection to it. That's when he's actually able to ride it, you know. And that's Are you saying he's a force wielder? I'm not at all. Saying that
2: <laughs> but, uh, I'm saying that is a very the very will of the force
3: there. is going to, you know, <laughs> is going to play out, and when you go with it, yeah. good things happen. That's just a common theme throughout the Star Wars universe, and I I really liked to see that. Yep. yep.
0: Just, I, I had one small thing to say about the Blurg, too. I, I love that the first scene with the Blurg is like a shot-for-shot shot remake of when Luke is looking at the Sand People, and then yes. they attack through the viewfinder, and then they attack him. It's the oh, same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. He's looking through the viewfinder, he sees them down there, and then all of a sudden, there they are. Yep. That's that great. Sweet. I didn't. I didn't even put that together. Awesome. I did first viewing. I did on second viewing. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) That makes
1: total sense. There's a lot I picked up in the second viewing that I did not pick up in the first viewing because you're trying to take everything in on the initial. But when you go back and watch it again, you're like, oh, yeah,
2: I see it now. I see it now. Well, the last thing I want to touch on um, for for this and kind of, I mean, we can keep dissecting shot by shot, frame by frame and all these different things. For me, what was what was satisfying? The most satisfying for me as a super weird nerdy Star Wars fan are the the homages to the holiday special, mm-hmm. the Star Wars the fabled holiday special. Now, of course, you're you're everyone should have caught the Life Day reference that was given to us by the Bluegill Gill uh, Star Trek esque alien uh, who was played by Horatio Sands of Saturday Night Live fame. I don't know if, about you guys. Horatio Sands to me
0: was probably one of the worst cast characters. I mean, thank you. Uh, I'm so glad that you you guys didn't love it either. And I, I literally (laughs) was going to say the same thing you did. He felt like a Star Trek character. How, how do you have in the cold open of the show, a human
2: and a Quarren speak hoodies, which is, yep. for those who yep. don't know, it is a very specific alien language. But then the weirdest-looking dude in the room sounds like he's <laughs> from Indiana. He's like he's like, getting like, a freaking right? cab ride or something. Give <laughs> right. well, Like, like, like John, I love Annie. it. It's, you know it's like the John, th- John from, jo-
3: from Jersey or something. Come
2: on. Well, so, actually, <laughs> Horatio Sands is a Chilean-born actor, um, and, I de- and, like, he's a comedian. He's... I think his acting, his actual acting, was fantastic, but that voice just didn't match uh, up with the character at all. With it. Um, but for me, the you know he did drop a life day reference, which if anyone was going to drop a life day reference, please make it the weirdest guy on the show. Um, <laughs> so that was cool. But the w- other one that stood out to me, um, you know, if if I haven't said it already, the holiday special Boba Fett that iteration is my favorite designed boba fett the color scheme the rifle which i'm so happy the mandalorian has now but I the whole to. thing so when you first meet boba fett in the star wars universe like the whole like the whole shebang he's a cartoon character and what he does is there's a creature there's a weird like monstrous dinosaur type creature that almost attacks luke skywalker right The the Boba Fett in the holiday special takes that rifle and just whaps, whaps the the dinosaur with it and stuns him much like the Mandalorian does with that ice serpent where the serpent is connected to the razor crest. He gets out the rifle, like uh, whatever, hits him with his, his ion pulse or whatever that is. But it was so reminiscent to me of the holiday special. And I hope that Favreau Filoni put that in there as a touchstone or an Easter egg for fans of the holiday special like myself. It was great.
4: I have a huge confession to make. i never watched the holiday special. Oh! <laughs>
2: oh and yeah, I feel wow. like
4: this time of the year is probably a good time to watch it. Yeah, give but it i I've never watched yep.
2: it. I am not an it's advocate for um, recreational drugs, but uh, <laughs> marijuana is legal in some states. If you're free to partake in some green, uh, it might be a totally different experience. Might be, you might be able to get through the whole special.
1: <laughs> Can I just say that I love the rifle where I think it actually has, like, different levels of shock, right? Because he does stun one of the the pirates that, you know, have the bounty for the Baby Yoda, right, or whatever he's fighting. He hits one of them with it, and it just knocks him down, right? He falls to the ground. And then, you know, clearly in that, the ice monster, he does shock it with a clearly larger pulse uh, to get it off. But then he also has the rounds that just evaporate people which he does right. blow one of them up so i love that there's like different levels of that rifle that can be used and he uses it as a tool he used it basically as a bow like donatello to defend <laughs> off those guys and hit him a couple like he hit hard he just straight up hit somebody hard and it was amazing yeah
4: yeah that one was a skinny uh, little telescope
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that was one of my points too my third one was uh, all the Mandalorian gear that they showed, and uh, uh, the rifle was a big one. He used it so many different ways. He had those disintegration rounds. He had the the electric pulse, the stun pulse. He also took the the sights off to use separately as a scope. Uh, they also made a point of showing both gauntlets. He used a flamethrower out of yeah, one, which is yeah. a very classic Mando gauntlet, as long uh, as well as harpoon. the um, the harpoon whip, or which. Also classic. They've they've used those a million times. Um, and last thing, the, the Ravenac is the name of that monster that jumped out of yeah. the oh, uh, ice and bit onto the thing. Yeah. You- I took notes. You nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I
2: love it.
1: I, I gotta say, just my last thing that I absolutely loved in this, the first two episodes, the cinematography is amazing because mm-hmm. you get very simple scenes of the Mandalorian just walking down a hallway or walking in a chasm in the desert. But then you get super complex scenes of the IG unit, basically rotating his body one direction, but the camera angle is rotating on another direction. And it's this beautiful 360 degree like view as you're watching it. And his eye, you know, his eyes are moving like three parts of him are moving at different times. Um, you know, and you get beautiful, like, dark shots, like when he's down in the, the Mandalorian, the the refuge hallway, right? But then you get some really nice shots of sun setting uh, at one point when he's got the campfire going with the Baby Yoda, um, the ice planet, you know, even with the Ravinek that jumps up and bites it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful color and saturation, and it's shot very, very well. And I think that's just attributed to both, Uh, You know what what uh, Favreau brings from the Marvel movies that he's done and Dave Filoni and what he's done in Rebels and just kind of combining the two.
2: See, I'm happy you brought this up because I am outside of Star Wars, which is a huge passion of mine. I am a, a cinema freak, not a movie freak. That's why you know people learn that I've not watched Deadpool and I don't. I don't go to the popcorn flicks. I, I watch art house films. I watch cinema films. I actually my my degree, I, I have a bachelor's of fine arts in television, and a lot of what. We did was cinematography. So when I watch a film, I also watch for the cinematography. And you're right, Justin. It is. I sit there stunned with a lot of the visuals and what they're doing for television, which is what George Lucas wanted to do all along with 1313. He couldn't get it off the way he wanted it to, or, you know, he wanted to do this underworld show. The technology wasn't there. You know, that these environments don't exist and they're partial reality, you know, uh, CGI environment, but it looks, they look real. Absolutely marvelous. You're right. Mm -hmm. The cinematography that sunset on the baby Yoda is an image that, is just pure Star Wars. I mean, you know,
3: it's, it's so stunning. And there's multiple times there's these low angle shots of the Mandalorian yes, where you yes. get his whole body in frame, and we're framing framing him as this like larger than life character. They're they're stunning. They really are.
1: Yeah. You get the angle where Baby Yoda's walking up to him as he's stitching his wound. And the angle that you get is looking down from like a first person view at the little Yoda ling, <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. you get the angle looking down at him, and he's like, "What do you want?" Like it, it's just there's so many different camera angles and shots, and they've used a ton of different things to really kind of pull yourself in for these different things, and it, it's just awesome to watch. It's fantastic.
2: And let's not forget, we're only twenty five percent into the season, yeah, yeah, and it's already given us this many gifts. This is yeah. amazing. I cannot wait to see where this goes. And with that. Uh, we've talked a lot about what has already happened and what, what, what I love to do is talk about what I think is going to happen or a theory or an idea that might come true. So that leads us to our segment. We'll figure it out. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Well, it brings us to our segment. That's not how the force works. And that is our prediction theories type of segment where we think this is going to go. Um, all I know is I want to see a few things. I want to see Cara Dune, and I want to see sure. Cara Dune kick some ass. I want to see. I want to see some type of homage to whether it be Sabine. I want to see Sabine Wren. Let's be clear, boy, fanboy coming out. I want Sabine Wren in the in this somehow. But I would love to see some type of homage to the animated series Mandalorians or um, the EU. And I just, I don't care how it's done. I don't care what they do, if it's a big or a short segment. does not matter to me. I would love to see some type of respect paid to Boba Fett, which makes me sound crazy that I'm going this hardcore. But like we, as a Boba Fett fan, someone who's spent more money than I can comprehend on Boba Fett merchandise over the years. And that was the first Star Wars character I learned how to draw by hand. I would love to just know if the dude is alive or dead. (laughs) <laughs> Just like that. That's my thing, man. Just tell us. And I think my bold prediction, my theory, whatever, is that by the end of season one, we will at least know the fate of Boba Fett Um and what I guess I don't you know, I don't know. I've I've kind of gotten kicked around on a lot of these theories so far, but I really feel that. Maybe one of the cliffhangers we're going to have at the end of season one is a Boba Fett-related cliffhanger. Don't know how they're going to do it. Don't want to know. I mean, the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> I, I I think we might get a flashback of the Sarlacc pit. I think it's very possible that we will get some type of flashback to that pit being destroyed. Because I really think it gets blown up. But that's a whole thing in the, in the EU, the Legends. It's an awesome storyline. Go read the bounty hunters' story. They're fantastic. Um, do you guys think we're going to see Dengar? Do you think we're going to see Bosk? Do you think we're going to see any of those uh, those bounty hunters we saw from Empire Strikes Back? I don't know. What do you guys think?
4: Um, I think with Filoni having hard Mandalorian ties to both Clone Wars and Rebels, I think it's almost inevitable that we're going to have those kind of characters, or even the Darksaber, come in, in some oh, capacity. Yeah. You know, Sabine was the last one to have it, and... She has to still be a lot as far as the age. She can't be that old, you know. Um, I like to see how they're going to tie this to the original trilogy or going forward as far as the current new trilogy. Um, I, I think it's almost inevitable. We have to know something about Boba Fett in this whole series. You know, Boba Fett's not a Mandalorian, but everyone refers to him as a Mandalorian. I think there's, there's almost no way they don't reference him some way. In this show, whether it's him meeting an older Boba Fett later on in life as a mentor, or you know just the fate of him—is he dead, or is you know you find his armor somewhere, and whatever it may be? But I think having an older Boba Fett mentoring this new bounty hunter would be a very cool thing to see.
0: Yeah, what um what I think we're gonna see, like my predictions are, I think um I th- I agree with you that we're gonna get some. Sort of Boba Fett confirmation. I don't really, not really sure what the how that's going to look, but I think that we're going to know one way or another. I think Schrodinger's fat is will be done. I'm trying yes. to make that a thing. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think, uh, Kara Dune is going to be some sort of like New Republic special agent who is also trying to retrieve baby Yoda. Oh, I like that. That's great. Nice She has oh, that okay. tattoo on her face, right? Hmm. So, um, and I think you know that instead of her, like she's on a team with him, but maybe it's like a begrudging relationship instead of just being teammates or whatever. And then what I want from this from the series is um, them retconning and making Fett an actual Mandalorian somehow. Ooh. And and I I would love I would love to see Bo Katan. And I, I as a Battlestar Galactica fan, I would love for her to be played by her voice actress, Kate Sackhoff yeah damn yeah, yeah. i i'm uh, gonna
4: see him with his helmet off
3: Ooh, yeah well, i've got something about that they've mentioned a couple times about uh, you know horatio sands character at the very beginning with his great voice was um he said to you uh is it true you never take your helmet off uh of course he got no reply to that and then later nick nolte's character i'm not even going to try to say that name uh he also said it might be easier if you took the helmet off. Okay, and of I'm course all. he got no reply too, but uh that helmet has stayed on and it seemed, and we have not seen any of those Mandalorians even down in their uh refugee camp with their helmets off either. So it seems like they're staying on for the mm-hmm. most part, you know? Feels
0: sweaty. <laughs>
2: so
0: <laughs> Probably
2: pretty so Josh, you you mentioned Katie Sackoff. Did you guys get on all Twitter today? no go take a look at her most recent tweet if you're talking about the mandalorian with katie sackoff because i can read it to you right now this is going to be dated by the time this hits the internet (laughs) uh, for our listeners but as of one day ago katie sackoff tweets from her original twitter at katie sackoff gotta say today was pretty much a career high for me one day soon you'll understand what i mean but for right now just know it's the coolest thing ever! Exclamation! 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 Mm. A lot of people are thinking that she That's has filmed something for The Mandalorian. Now, it may not be for season 1, could be for season 2. That's uh, a hell something. of a weird yeah. Twitter cliffhanger, right? Yeah. So, I hey, would love that
3: i love bo katan yeah. one of my favorite yeah. mandalorians her and sabine Wren are probably my two favorite mandalorians of all unless you count obi-wan and mandalorian armor but, uh,
4: <laughs> yes
3: but yes. i would love to see bo katan oh yeah oh yeah i don't know that i have any
1: predictions for the series because i think a lot of times if we go in and we assume or like oh this is what i think is going to happen right and if it doesn't happen you're kind of like Meh. that's kind of a letdown right so I don't go in with a lot of predictions, but one of the things that I'm curious to see is obviously the Empire is in disarray, right? Uh, and, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: you know, there's warring factions, clearly from what you get out of um, the uh, the Aftermath series, right? There's a bunch of warring factions there within the Empire in and of itself and who's going to take leadership. And I think it's interesting that you have Grief Karga there with a bunch of stormtroopers that are still serving him as part of a, a, a some sort of faction of imperial rule or something but then there's also that we've been teased in some of the the previews there are still death troopers out there that i don't know the actor's name that's going to play him but he clearly is the leader of that group but they will make an appearance at some point so is that a different faction of imperial troops or leadership that's going to come into play that's really what i want to see is how is the empire handling this and what's the fall of this
2: so that actor is Dominic Pace, who mm. somehow follows me on Twitter. Uh, yeah. I don't. I never. I never heard of the dude before. Um, but it. You know. You brought up the aftermath series, yeah. and I. Here's the thing, guys. Like I read a lot. I read a lot of books. Right now, currently, I am reading five books, and I just bought uh, like twelve different comics. I'm reading all these different things. That's all I do. That's my hobby. Is I read, and the aftermath books. I've never left a bad review on a book ever until Mm -hmm. I read the first aftermath book. And it was the most brutal review I could have ever left. It was on Amazon. It had a ton of people that found it useful, whatever. But I was so mad about how poorly written that book was. But once again, I'm going to eat a little bit more shit because (laughs) as I read on book two, book three empire's end it actually turned out to be an incredible series. I spoke too soon. I judged Chuck Wending too soon. That whole Empire's end book and what happens to the Empire post-Return of the Jedi is absolutely fascinating. I, you know, you, Operation Cinder is the, em- mm-hmm. the Emperor's plan to send the Empire, the good Empire, the, the best, the elite troops out in the Unknown Regions, which is why he got Thrawn and why Thrawn was involved in the Empire. That's a whole another episode we can dive <laughs> into down the road. But um, Operation Cinder... I feel five years after Return of the Jedi, the Empire, I mean, based on the Aftermath novels, at least, the Empire should just be like, I don't know, like 30 people? Because Empire's End, the Aftermath book, they were all like basically dead or in the unknown regions. I don't know what this Empire version is in Mandalorian.
1: Well, they had several... um, I mean, you do get a lot of new characters out of the Aftermath series. You get Snap Wexley, you get um ray some other sloan. characters ray sloan um you get some other characters out of that series mr. that bones. mr oh, bones mr
2: bones it, yeah
1: if you don't yeah. read it right there's some characters that you get in in all of the new uh movies that you you that, you know they're just cold introduced to you but if you read the books you get them through the books and i'm actually doing uh is it resistance reborn right now mm-hmm. um which is bringing spoiler alert Bringing Wedge back in. And this is how, at the end of the Aftermath series, you see how Wedge and Nora, who's Snap Wexley's mother, kind of meet up and um, become a couple, right? And now in Resistance Reborn, you're getting how they get back into the fold. So, and we already know from spoilers that, you know, Wedge is returning to. Uh, the series so he will be in uh, Rise of Skywalker in some capacity but it was very interesting to see uh, or to hear and read how things have shaped in the Empire and what happened but the, uh, the, the the warring factions I think they said there was like 12 maybe 12 superstar destroyers left or they only had created 12 and most of those were destroyed, so there was only a handful left. So everything you see is just the standard Imperial Star Destroyers afterwards. It's just, you do get some really good nuggets out of those books. I, I agree with you, I was not on board with the first one. The second one I thought was really slow. The third one, you get the full battle of Jakku, and oh, and yeah. I enjoyed that. Like that part was great. So uh, for me, it, it it added some new things, but overall, I was eh, okay. You can skip over it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, my my predictions often get called kind of safe, but like it, it seems to me like the uh the client what's what's uh is it grief
2: grief Car- cargo grief Karga is the, yeah. the he's the guild he's, the guild he's the guild. Yeah, no, no, Werner grief. So, so grief Karga is the is played by Carl Weathers or, yeah um, he's or, the sorry. bounty
3: hunter yeah, client, yeah
2: the client is yeah one he's, he's just called the
3: client yeah. right yeah. now and Werner Herzog has that great like super recognizable voice I don't know oh uh, yes. if anybody watches Rick and Morty he has a really funny uh, monologue on that show but um, he sounds Imperial yeah he, he does he I thought he was great but it seems to me like he's obviously trying to um, He's openly Imperial. He's got the Stormtrooper Escort. He's got his, his He's got giant that Flavor flame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, You know yeah. Run DMC chesty. Imperial Chain, yeah. you know So he's he's got his doctor Assistant who's like some kind of Weird little mousy scared dude uh, But he's obviously trying To hold on to his power and It seems to me Somebody mentioned we don't know. I think Justin We don't know who sent those other um uh bounty hunters or assassins i guess him is it somebody else uh, my immediate thought was it was him because when the doctor came in the doctor wanted the baby alive the asset alive and uh werner herzog clearly did not you know he wanted that thing taken out and i think he sees it as a threat he sees uh, force users probably as a threat to his power or whatever and I think the main thing we're going to be seeing now is the Mandalorian who obviously he has his moral code he second guessed whether or not he was even going to take the job without the puck you know what I mean And so I think he's going to be protecting the asset and also at the same time trying to get that best car back Um, and I think that's going to be the main plot point you know this season
2: yeah i think you hit on it man the client is of the age who he lived through order 66 Mm -hmm. and he was probably some type of elite uh leader of some kind that was privy to
3: something yeah
2: privy to order 66 and what the jedi meant to the galaxy and he probably doesn't want you're right probably doesn't want anything to do with this baby yoda um and yeah that's gonna be really awesome going forward man guys i'm i'm ready i'm ready for this so we only got i don't know what five more days six more days till the next one Mm -hmm. too many a lot to think about so uh it's been fun chopping it up about all this stuff guys this is great so um, yeah with that let's um let's let's start running this thing out man let's let's uh let's give out our twitter handle our brand well someone on the group has a brand new twitter oh, yeah. handle so we're I very do. excited wow. about that Trunkin. um so you can hit us up at sw Friends show on twitter uh we do have a website starwarsfriends.com uh i'm probably going to put up a email mailing list on there in the next couple days um but you can hit me up at no one is chris what about you guys
3: I am at kb underscore legend on Twitter
4: or Instagram or probably whatever else. Josh, you can you can hit me oh, up
0: yeah. at dick m Pike on Twitter. <laughs> she uh, I'm Josh, and I am Battle of Tanab on Instagram and Twitter.
2: Probably heard about my little maneuver at to the Battle of Tanab.
0: <laughs> me a general? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm Justin. I'm the noob. You can hit me up at I am the Bendu
2: yes he just got that that is such a great
1: hot off the press
2: (laughs) so hey it's been fun y'all if you want to hit us up tell us about your predictions for the Mandalorian what you think you're going to see coming up on the rest of this season what with six more chapters right hope that last chapter is three hours long that would be a nice (laughs) Christmas present so
0: or four or five whatever yeah Yeah.
2: the more you can give us All right, y'all we'll catch you next time may the force be with you